You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and before we get into the episode, I just want to remind you about the best gift you could give yourself or another mother you love this holiday season, my Flex of Gold journal. Yes, I really do think it's the best gift for a woman you love, and yes, I am completely biased. (laughs) But you don't just have to take my word for it. I was so honored to see that the journal had been selected as one of the best gifts for women by Brittany Hanks from Home and Kind. When talking about the journal, Brittany said it is genius and the only journaling practice she has done consistently. In her gift guide for women, she said that if you gift this journal, you will be giving the gift of memories plus gratitude for those happy everyday moments. If you're unfamiliar with Flex of Gold, it's a three-year journal where you write down one golden moment from each day with your children. This quick gratitude practice changes the way that you view your motherhood. So go ahead and put this on your holiday list to give to yourself or to another mom you love. Go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold and use the code 3in30 for 10% off. I also want to mention that if you already have a Flex of Gold journal and want to tell all your friends about it, just like Brittany did, I have something for you. We just launched a referral program for the Flexigold Journal. That means that you can earn money while raving about the journal to your friends and giving them a discount code to use. Go to 3in30podcast.com slash referafriend, which is linked in the show notes, to sign up now. That's 3in30podcast.com slash referafriend. Welcome to 3in30 a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Before I had kids, I knew my children would not be picky eaters. And I have to add as a side note that I also knew that they would be perfect sleepers and perfectly well-behaved in public. But let's save those delusions for another day and get back to picky eating. I knew that my kids wouldn't be picky because I would feed them balanced meals and they would eat them because they wouldn't have a choice. I would be firm but loving, of course. And if I was just consistent enough, they would comply because I truly believed that that's what children did when they had good parents. Well, let's just say, my friends, that karma came back to bite me in the butt on that one because I now have a child who is an extremely picky eater and no amount of firm limits and consistency has been able to change that. And believe me, I've tried. I have tried for 11 years. I've carried a lot of guilt and shame and blame for my son's picky eating, wondering if it's my fault. If I were just a better cook, if I were a healthier eater myself, If I didn't ever give him access to treats, if I had better routines in our home so snack and mealtimes were more consistent, the swimming thoughts around this topic can feel so defeating. I've come to a better place with that mom guilt lately, and you'll hear more about that in the episode, but I just wanted to share some of my experience of being the mom of a picky eater up front before we even get into the episode, because I want you to know that I understand this struggle and the discouragement that you may be feeling. I've been there. I get it. It's so hard. And this is not your fault, okay? Let's just go into the episode remembering that. My guest today is someone who has helped me feel so much more empowered in my efforts to help my son become a more balanced eater. Casey Barnes is a registered dietitian nutritionist who has helped thousands of families with young kids make healthy eating approachable and attainable through her company, Mama Knows Nutrition. She has a Master of Clinical Nutrition degree from UT Southwestern, 
a Master of Public Administration degree from Syracuse University, and she earned her bachelor's degree at NYU. When you pair her education with her lived experience as a mom of two children, including one who has struggled with picky eating, Casey is the perfect expert to teach us about this important and sometimes emotionally fraught topic. I can't wait for you to hear from her, so let's dive in. Hi, Casey. Welcome to 3 and 30. I am so excited to talk to you today. I am too. You know, this is the first podcast that I ever listened to as a mom, so it feels really special for me to be here. Well, thank you. That means a lot to me to know that you've listened. I love, love your work. I have an extremely picky eater, as I just mentioned in that introduction, and your work has been a source of calm for me. There's a lot of stress and guilt and blame and shame around this topic, I feel like, for moms, and your work just reminds me that I'm doing a good job and everything's going to be okay and I don't have to be perfect, and I love your reels. I feel like if you ever need a second career and you don't want to be a dietitian anymore, you could be an actress because your reels are so funny and fun. I'm like, she's so good. You know, you play the different roles of like the grandma talking to the mom and your acting is spot on. So thank you so much for the work you do to just make this topic a little lighter for families. I'm happy to hear you feel that way. That is one of my biggest goals because, I mean, I had a very picky eater too, so I just know how it feels and how hard it can be and how hard on yourself you can get. So I want to encourage moms as much as I can and dads too. Yeah. And I will say, as I was writing out the introduction and kind of writing a little bit about my experience, it gave me a chance to reflect on why is this so hard for parents? And I think that it's because it's a daily thing you have to face every single day. It's not like an issue with your kid that you, you know, face every once in a while that comes up. It's like every single day you are reminded of this quote problem and it brings up all the feelings. And so it's just really tough. So I'm grateful that you're going to give us some takeaways today from your experience as a mom and as a registered dietitian with a master's degree in this for how we can help our picky eaters to slowly maybe integrate some more foods and to not make it this pressure-filled part of our family life. So absolutely. Are you ready? Do you want to jump in with your first takeaway? I'm ready. Let's jump in. So this one thing is kind of the foundation that in the beginning of my course, whenever I start working with a new family, this is a must do. So the first takeaway is to serve a safe food at a meal. And I'll explain what a safe food is. It's basically something that they regularly eat and like. It doesn't have to be their absolute favorite, but it's something that you know that they can get full on. And I explain it to parents in this way. Think about if you were visiting a new country, you've never seen this cuisine before, and you're invited to the meal, nothing on the table is recognizable. And how are you going to feel in that moment, right? Like, that's going to be pretty overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So... For kids, especially picky eaters, there is this real fear and overwhelm that plays into it for them. And I think that we see food as something that's not scary. And how hard is it to just put it in your mouth? It's actually really hard. Food is the most sensory experience because it really integrates all of our senses. Mm -hmm. And deciding to put something in your body is a pretty big deal for kids. Mm -hmm. So I really like to have something that's going to help them feel grounded and safe at the meal. People often say, well, if I always give them something that they like, 
then they're never going to try something new. But I actually find the opposite is true. They have to have that safety at the meal of knowing, okay, I can fill up on mashed potatoes if I need to. And then it's okay to maybe try a bite of something else, but I don't have to eat a whole serving of something that's unfamiliar to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will say that similar advice was given to me by a pediatrician when Noah was really young, and I think it was the single best bit of advice a pediatrician's ever given me. He said, if you don't want to stand up and make him something else because you don't like the precedent that that will set, then just have something on the table. Consciously think, okay, what do I know that he'll eat? And Noah will never know that you're putting it on the table just for him. Like he'll think it's for everybody, for the whole family. So put some bread on the table, put something so that you know that this kid will eat something at the meal and won't think that his mom is a short order cook getting up to make him something else. And that's been really, really helpful. And a lot of times it is like a white carb for my child. It's like rice or bread or a fruit or something. So what are some other sort of safe foods that you recommend to families if they have a really picky eater? It depends. And I do have a worksheet that helps you fill out what those safe foods are. If anyone wants to get that, we can make it available. But every picky kid is different. You know, Mm -hmm. there's no one thing that's going to work for everybody. But I do like something that is going to be somewhat filling. Mm -hmm. And even with the bread, I know that that can sometimes feel like, oh, you know, it's just a white carb. It's not that great. But Bread is usually fortified with vitamins and minerals. There is a decent amount of protein, even in white bread, which sometimes can feel surprising that it's not just a carb. So doing something like that, and I love what you said about not being a short order cook of this is a way that you really can get around that because people say, well, should I offer them something different if they didn't like the meal? And it's like you skip that whole problem by just serving it right away. It doesn't have to match with the meal. So say you're having Mm. a stir fry. Bread is still perfectly fine to serve with that, even if it feels like it doesn't go. Something like a banana with peanut butter could be Mm -hmm. something that's really satisfying to them. So don't get stuck too much in thinking that, oh, they're only going to eat like this forever. Do I have to serve bread at night? every single night for the rest of my life. No, but it's really going to help in the meantime as you're working on their picky eating. Yeah. And I loved you did something on your Instagram recently about you can cook rice like in bone broth or add some of those things to the carb if you're worried about like they're not getting enough protein or whatever. I loved that little hack. I'd never thought of that. Do you have other little hacks for ways you can kind of add more complex nutrients and things to a simple carb? Absolutely. So that's a really good one. I think you can do that with pasta too. You know those recipes where you kind of do the pasta in a smaller amount of water and cook it for longer? I think you could do that with the bone broth too so that it absorbs more of it because one cup of bone broth has 10 grams of protein, which is huge. They also Mm. make those pastas and even rice now that are made from chickpea flour, lentil flour. So if it's something your kid will like, then Mm. it's worth worth a try if you think they might like it. Something that I really like too is the Barilla Protein Plus pasta. It's Mm. not as intense. Like I don't know if you've tried any of the chickpea pastas or anything like that. My husband's like a hard no on those. Yeah. But the Barilla Protein Plus is kind of a good in-between. 
something else is just thinking about how can you incorporate maybe something like a nut butter with their carb or avocado, like even just adding butter is going to get more calories in them. So if you're concerned about them not filling up, that's a helpful thing to do too. And then even just a cup of milk as well. We know that a lot of kids are low in calcium. If they aren't drinking much milk, it can be a way to get that in at their mealtime too. Yeah. And just this takeaway and your words about how white bread actually isn't as bad as we sometimes think it is really got me thinking about how we do as a society moralize foods. And we as moms have taken that in and then we kind of project it onto our kids. And so we need to be aware of kind of the messaging and what we believe about certain foods and how we may be demonizing certain foods either out loud to our kids or even just in our own minds and thinking, well, that's not okay that they're eating that. And your work has helped me to take a step back from that and realize that food is neutral And, you know, we're just teaching our kids little by little how to learn how to feed themselves. Absolutely. It's the same way that we would probably have a lot of patience with our kid if they were a little bit slower to walk or slower to crawl. And we would be able to see that in the long-term view of like, well, obviously they're going to walk at some point, right? We can see them making small progress toward it. But with food, it often feels really black and white that if they're not eating the right diet, you're doing a bad job. And Mm -hmm. something that I've really tried to help people understand is that there's so much that diet culture has told us is bad, and it's really not always as bad as it feels. Mm -hmm. And this actually leads really well into my next takeaway of not to force them to eat something. I think Mm. we have so much pressure on vegetables. It's like it feels like that is the goal and we need to reach it. And if our kids don't eat vegetables, they're not going to be healthy. But there's actually studies that looked at people being forced to eat foods as a kid by their parents, usually vegetables. And Mm. over 70 percent of these adults say that they no longer eat the foods that they were forced to. So when we are trying to exert our power and dominance over them and try to just force it to happen, however it is, by bribing or making them stay at the table, People remember this, and it's not ending up where we want it to go. Like, people in this study said that they felt anger, fear, disgust, humiliation. And I don't think that anybody wants their kid to feel that way. So what cost? We can make much more progress by having a lot of patience and going at it in a different way way of introducing these foods slowly and then having the success be either that we had a nice pleasant mealtime together like the benefits Mm -hmm. of a mealtime alone are insane Mm -hmm. improved physical health mental health even better academic performance so when you feel like you're not doing a good job because they're not eating that good balanced diet you're still doing so much good just by being there with them Yes. And I love that you pointed that out, Casey, that the value of family dinner goes way beyond just the foods that they're putting into their body. And you can really start to ruin the experience of family dinner if you are trying to force your kid to eat something, if you're turning it into a battleground, 
if they're crying. I have memories of my son like almost vomiting stuff that we were trying to make him eat. Like talk about not a pleasant experience of the family dinner. And I recently had kind of an epiphany around this. My son is 11, so we've been doing this for a lot of years. And I was feeling really bad about myself, about his pickiness after a meal, and just about the whole conversation we'd had surrounding it. And I just had this epiphany, and I just thought, Rachel, enough. Like, family dinner is going to be a connective place for the children and for him. He is going into his teen years. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I just realized that I sort of had to voice my values around like what matters to me is connection at family dinner more than a healthy diet. He will eventually have to figure out how to navigate being a picky eater as an adult in an adult world. And he may eventually decide to try more things and overcome that. But for now, what he needs is to feel connected to his family and loved by his family at meals. And that matters more to me than him being a good eater, honestly. And so I feel like I released a lot of the pressure and the shame and just decided that I'm not going to make this a big deal anymore. He's reached an age now too, where he can make himself something else. And there are times when I wouldn't have quote allowed that when he was younger, but now I'm like, Noah, if you want to make yourself a PBJ, just make it and come back and join us at the table. Like I'm just done fighting this fight and my relationship with him is more important than what he eats at dinner. Absolutely. I'm so happy to hear that you had that epiphany. It really can be the hardest part to though to let go of the anxiety and the stress over feeling like you don't want to feel like you gave up and you don't want to feel like you're not trying. So mm-hmm. I think for a lot of moms, it can feel like, well, if I'm not really trying on the nutrition, then I'm giving up or I failed. And mm-hmm. what you were explaining, describing is that you had such a benefit from that. You experienced so much joy from being able to let go of some of that micromanagement at the dinner table. And they can feel it too. Like they Mm -hmm. know when you're even just watching them to see what they're going to eat. And again, I don't want to make it sound like it's easy to let go of that stuff because it is not. But Mm -mm. when you have those moments where you can step back and say, okay, let's look at the bigger picture here. I'm not saying I'm giving up on their eating, but I am saying that I'm choosing to have this time together with my family. And that is really important. Yeah. And I feel like When he realizes that I'm not going to force and control and pressure him, he is more willing to try things. He'll take the tiniest little nibble bite. Like, it doesn't even count as a bite. It's like the tiniest little nibble. And I will be like, thank you for trying that. Like, that means a lot to me that you tried it. And the more exposure that you get to it, maybe eventually your taste buds will start to like it. Maybe not, but thanks for trying it. And I just want to affirm every step he takes to do something that is genuinely really hard for him. And for me and other adults and people who aren't picky eaters around us, it may seem ridiculous, but it's not ridiculous to him. And I've just finally had to accept and release and just affirm all the small steps he's making towards trying. Totally. I love that. And I want to talk more about those small steps because it is huge. And I think that For them, like you said, it is a big deal for him. Their fear is real. Like, we don't see a threat there. So it's Mm -hmm. like the threat 
doesn't feel real. But for them, the fear is real. And we are going to see a lot more progress by meeting them where they are and just believing them, just believing Mm. that this is hard for them. It might seem like the silliest little thing to us to put a piece of mac and cheese in your mouth if you don't want to eat it, but it can be a really big deal. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Kid Culture, a subscription box delivered to your door once a month filled with digital and physical activities that teach children about world cultures. If you're looking for an educational and fun holiday gift for your kids, a gift that will help them develop cultural awareness, understanding, and strong character, look no further. With Kid Culture subscription boxes, kids go on virtual expeditions of countries around the world. Here's how it works. After you select the number of countries you want to receive and the number of subscriptions you want, because you can purchase multiple if you're ordering for multiple children who each want their own box, Kid Culture ships one country expedition kit to your door each month per subscription. Each kit includes about 10 culture quests to teach your children about life in that country. These include activities that are both physical and digital that can often be done independently. A Kid Culture subscription would make such an enriching gift to this holiday season and might be the perfect thing to ask for from grandma and grandpa if you just don't want more toys and clutter hanging around your house. Order your first Kid Culture country kit by going to kidculture.org and using the discount code 3in30 at checkout. That's K-I-D-C-U-L-T-U-R-E dot org, discount code 3in30. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. This week, we're talking about coexisting with picky eaters. Do you relate to the stress and shame that I have felt around feeding my children? Is feeding your children a source of stress for you as well? Who knew how heavy the weight of caring for all of the physical and emotional needs of our children would feel at times? It can be especially stressful during the holidays, and I can attest that meeting regularly with a trusted professional counselor helps me manage and process my worries and expectations, especially during this busy time of year. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash 3 in 30. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 in 30. That leads me really well into my next takeaway about incorporating all the five senses, just not all at once. And this is how I work with picky eaters because every step along that sensory journey has to be broken up into tinier pieces for picky eaters so that they can meet those fears. It's kind of like working with an anxious child, if anybody has done that, where you might be coached to say they're afraid of dogs. You're first going to show them just a picture of a dog. Then maybe we look at one from across the yard, something like that, before we get close and approach it. And it's the same thing that we do with food. So before they even try a new food, you can have a big win at the table when you just kind of guide your child into going how far they are comfortable. And for some kids, that might just be the food simply sitting on their plate. And Mm -hmm. 
when you shift your mindset around that to say, wow, this is actually a win. My son let this food be on his plate. He let it be touching the food that's next to it, and he didn't have a meltdown. So some examples on how you can go forward with this might be like, Something that my kids thought was really fun was we took little pieces of broccoli and would dip it in a cup of water, and then they'd hold it up over their head to try to drop the water droplets into their mouth. Mm -hmm. And so incorporating that sense of fun, and then they're touching it, but they're not expected to bring it to their mouth. That reduces that fear of, am I going to be expected to eat this? That takes the fear away for most kids to be able to do something where they don't even have to bring it to their mouth. You can do this away from mealtimes as well of, Mm. say, you're prepping dinner and you've got something out. Doing a little activity where they're not expected to eat can help increase their comfort level with that food. Even Mm. something like I would have my kids, I'm snapping ends off green beans, and I'll say, hey, can you line these up smallest to tallest, and let's have a little green bean family. I know your son is older, so (laughs) for him that might seem lame, but for younger kids especially, engaging them in play can take them out of that fear mode and get them to be a little bit more familiar at least of what it feels like before you're saying, okay, now eat this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is such a great tip. I feel like helping them to smell foods. So you could even do something where my son would totally think this was fun. I've never done this with him, but you could do like a smell test where you put a bunch of different condiments or foods in little cups and you have them close their eyes and smell it and see if they can identify it. They're not tasting it, but they're getting acclimated to the smell of it. Last night I was making pumpkin bread with my son, which he loves pumpkin bread because it's essentially cake. (laughs) It's so good. But what surprised me is when he opened the can of just canned pumpkin, he said, oh, this smells so good. I can guarantee you Noah would never take a bite of straight canned pumpkin, but just the fact that he was experiencing that food and like associating it with a positive thing as we were making this meal is a win. So just like exposing them to a lot of different smells and textures, and even if they're not tasting it is going to help them in the long run, right? Is that what? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. And I even love that pumpkin bread example because something like a dessert is usually a lot more familiar and they're willing to try something in dessert form. And that can actually be a gateway to getting them to try something else. Like that was Mm. actually Teddy with pumpkin pie. He would have never gone near a canned pumpkin or pumpkin anything else, but he tried pumpkin pie. And that led to him trying pumpkin bread, pumpkin muffins that I made, pumpkin pancakes. And so it really Mm -hmm. opened a door for us. So I wouldn't shy away from feeling like, oh, well, zucchini bread is too sugary or whatever. Like you can have them start there and then we kind of work backwards. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to fear having something be too unhealthy and it not be worth it. Like it totally can just open that door for you. Yeah, for sure. I think about as an adult being exposed to new foods and how I don't think of myself as an extremely picky eater, but when something is brand new or a smell is brand new, I feel an aversion to it. So we just got some meal kits in the mail from one of my podcast sponsors and I hadn't selected the meals. Normally I would do that, but I hadn't done that. And so they sent me 
a recipe that has a fish in it, barramundi. I have never yeah. heard of that. <laughs> and like, I'm not the biggest seafood person. And I will say like pulling this fish out and just smelling it was kind of a lot for me. And I'm like, I don't think I can eat this. I'm an adult. And so I probably will at least try it. But as a child, they're experiencing new things all the time. And it's normal to have a reaction or an aversion to certain things. And then we forget that we've had like decades of experience overcoming those initial fears. And so kind of having that patience with our kids. Some of the like old school advice about picky eating is just when you think about it from the perspective of an adult, it's so disrespectful. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like serve them the same thing for breakfast that they wouldn't eat for dinner and just keep serving it like a food that they're afraid of, you know. And I remember before I had kids hearing that advice and thinking like, what a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. If they won't eat my dinner, I'm going to put it in the fridge and I'm going to pull it out and give it to them for breakfast. And then you just realize like, these are little humans. Would I want the same thing for every meal that I didn't want to eat? And so we kind of have to put ourselves in that position and think they're just humans learning about new things. And so I can be compassionate and patient. At least that's what I try to tell myself when I'm frustrated about it. Totally. I know. (laughs) I have to remind myself of that too, because it does get tiring. And especially when you have a kid who's been picky for a long time, if you're feeling like, oh, I must have done something wrong. A lot of Mm -hmm. times we put that on ourselves of maybe I caused this somehow, but a lot of it is their genes, their personality. And like Teddy, for example, he's just a really hesitant kid all around. Any new experience Mm. is hard for him. So it also makes sense that he's not going to jump right into new foods. And that's okay. I can accept that about his personality. But it is challenging when you're just trying to get food on the table for your family multiple times a day. And it makes sense that sometimes you resort to more of these unideal force tactics. We have all done it. Believe me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so no shame to any mom that has done that. We get Uh -uh. how frustrating it is. But I will say something that has helped me to feel less shame around my son being a picky eater is that my daughter is not. And I've realized like I raised them the exact same way. I fed them the exact same way. If anything, she's my second. So I was less careful about like You know, with him, I was like, no sugar until a certain age. And we did vegetables first and we were so conscientious. So kids just come wired a certain way. She's just naturally not picky, even though she's been raised in the exact same home with the exact same eating environment. And he is, and it's okay. Like we're going to support him and help him and we're going to get there. You know, as he's getting older, sometimes I feel like maybe this isn't something that I am going to be able to help him fix. And that's okay. He's going to figure it out as he moves into adulthood, which as moms, we just want to be able to provide everything and fix everything for them. And we can't. I know. I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard. I mean, he's at an age where you can be teaching him some general nutrition information Mm -hmm. about the different macronutrients and how fruits and veggies can do really cool, helpful things in our bodies. Any kid who's science curious, I just love being able to explain to them like, how much good these things can do in our bodies, but not every kid is going to be super interested, but you can still teach him those basic things of how to make a filling meal and 
And have patience. What's crazy to me is my brother was a super picky eater as a kid, and now he's a professional chef and will literally eat anything. (laughs) That is so hopeful. (laughs) My little sister, too, she's not a professional chef, but she was an extreme picky eater. She wouldn't even eat bread. My mom had to, like, put cream cheese in the middle of turkey and, like, roll it up, and that was my sister's sandwiches because she wouldn't eat bread. She was very picky, and she is the most adventurous eater of all of us now. So you just... crazy. You never know, and I keep reminding myself of that and holding on to that hope and holding on to my relationship with him above all else. That's what I've come back to. So, well, Casey, this has been so helpful. Your work is so helpful. If listeners want to learn more from you or they want like a first action step, if they have a picky eater in their home, where can they start? Definitely. You can go to mamanosnutrition.com. I have a free picky eater starter guide. So if you're feeling overwhelmed and like you just need a place to get started with a couple simple steps, that's where to go. That has the safe foods sheet as well Mm. so that you can fill that out. Writing things down makes you feel better. You're going to be like, wow, they actually eat a little bit more than I thought. So that's where you should go. Okay, great. We'll link that in the show notes and everyone can check out your awesome Instagram account that I love. You also have a podcast. We'll link that. We'll just put all things Casey in the show notes so people can learn more from you. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your expertise with 3 and 30. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Did that conversation bring a big sigh of relief for you too? I just love her gentleness and grace and encouragement around this topic. As a reminder, here's a recap of her three takeaways to help picky eaters. First, survey safe food with meals. This is a food that you know your child will eat and feel comfortable with so they feel less uneasy at the dinner table. This often helps children to be more willing to experiment with a new food because they know they have their safe food to fall back on. For ideas for different safe foods, be sure to check out Casey's free picky eating guide, which I will link in the show notes. Second, don't force them to eat something. This goes against conventional parenting wisdom and even natural parenting intuition. But the research shows that forcing a child to eat foods that they don't want to won't make them a more balanced eater long term, and it might lead them to rejecting those foods later on. Sure, a parent can technically win by forcing a child to eat, but at what cost? There are countless benefits of family meals that are well-researched and go way beyond the food. For me, I've decided that family dinner will be about connection and encouragement, not coercion and food battles. And it's made a huge difference in my experience of family dinner. I can only imagine that it's had the same effect for my children. And third and finally, incorporate all five senses as you introduce your children to new foods. Help them move through different levels of exposure with foods, letting them go only as far as they're comfortable. Have them smell foods, touch foods, even lick foods, and try to make it low pressure and even playful. Remember that learning to eat a variety of foods is a process, just like learning to walk or do anything else. We can do this, my friends. I'm right in the trenches with you, doing the hard but important work of trying to parent with intention and compassion. Thank you so much for listening in today, and always, I'm rooting for you, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family. 